From KLIN Radio and the Lincoln Independent Business Association, this is the Lincoln Business Beat, a weekly summary of news affecting area business and a review of interesting topics and issues. Along with LEPA President and CEO Bud Seinhorst, I'm Mark Vale. Glad to have you joining us. Lincoln Business Beat is made possible by Currency. You can learn more at GoCurrency.com. Well, we had some go-go, go-kart type activity here uh, in the south end of the capital city and in the county uh, this week with the opening of the South Beltway. Yeah, it's an exciting project. And I mean, that I can't, I, as far back as I can remember, we've been talking about having a South Beltway and, and creating that corridor around the south side of our city and actually opened earlier this week. So uh, about four or five months ahead of schedule, and which is always about, good. Actually about two years ahead of when it was originally thought to be completed. Yeah, and it was, you know, I think there were a lot of a lot of people came together, both the private sector, government entities, um, you know, the legislature, the governor's office. I mean, we had a lot of different people that were involved in getting this across the finish line, you know. Um, Hawkins Construction was the lead, you know, on the project. And then you had Nebco, who had a, a big, big part of that project, and then just... I want to say hundreds, probably not exactly a hundred, but just several different subcontractors that were working on this. Most every one of the contractors involved in the project was a Nebraska company, so it's a big deal for Lincoln. And I think it'll be it'll be uh, something to watch the traffic of semi trucks on Highway Two, and just see where that traffic goes. We're already seeing it. Um, the uh, traffic. Uh level that we report on at KLIN, our time saver traffic with Chris Lofgren. Uh, when I was in the newsroom on Thursday with him, first day morning uh, traffic, we were not seeing any red on the Google Maps uh, traffic summary. And uh, he said, and I think he said that's the first time in uh, I don't know how many weeks that it was all green, clear through Lincoln. Really? That's that's good to hear. I live out in that area and I'm excited to to see how that does and what what the impact does on traffic. And actually, it's not Highway 2 anymore. Nebraska Parkway. <laughs> Nebraska Parkway, which is going to take forever uh, to, to get used to. So I noticed the sign the other day, and I went, what the heck is that? So Still some confusion out, especially the east side uh, signage, you know, given a few of the new people uh, through the city, a little bit of confusion, but that'll get all worked out. And, of course, Google Maps, uh, as of Thursday, still didn't even have it on their map. So, <laughs> you know, uh, I would imagine if you're driving out there, it shows you out in a cornfield. Yeah, so. well, and one of the cool things that I, I did some research earlier this week when this was happening and had a few phone calls, and we've talked on here about our legislative priorities for LIBA quite a bit and the things that we focus on. And I actually found... Uh, a 2011 article written by Kobe Mack, my predecessor at LIBA, and it was talking about the South Beltway and how important it was to start the land acquisition and, you know, start creating a sinking fund to help fund this project. So LIBA has been an advocate for this project for well over a decade now. And, and I think it's it's one of those things where perseverance is always good um, you know, and, and keep that conversation out there and to get involved and, and talk to our elected officials. And that's one of the reasons we're having that conversation on our priorities about the East Beltway now. And so that will be a good connector 
basically from I-80 on the west side to I-80 on the east side, um, a nice round and a good way for people in South Lincoln to access the interstate and, and, and get to the interstate. So we'll keep persevering. I hope it takes less than a decade, but you never know with government. Well, there's uh, quite a bit of work yet to be done about, I think I read about $400 million more million in construction on the state's expressway projects. That's where uh, communities of 15,000 or more at least have a four-lane divided highway to an interstate. So those are those priorities that they've actually moved that up to 2036 to have that completed. So we'll have to see how the, the East Beltway might fall into that now. But, uh, yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's, you know, we talked about all these companies that were involved and, you know, Governor Ricketts uh, really helped with this project. And then in the legislature, two Lincoln senators that were very, very instrumental in the project were Senator Hilgers or Speaker Hilgers, um, now going to be Attorney General Hilgers. Um, but he was the one that introduced this bill to get this done. We did some financing things that were a little creative and a little new. Um, and then Senator Geist, uh, Suzanne Geist from here in Lincoln, prioritized that bill. So there was a lot of work from our local officials. You know, uh, I heard yesterday, I uh, watched, or earlier this week, I heard, watched the the video of the of the ribbon cutting and the opening of the Beltway. And, you know, they talked about Engineer Dingman and other folks that were involved. So it had a lot of cooperation, the NDOT, the county, the state, you know, the city, everybody was involved in this project. And now, as we've talked about a lot on here, Mark, is that growth mindset. So now we've got to think as a city, what's it going to look like for us? Because we, we know that development's going to want to happen along that South Beltway corridor. Chris Lofgren, our traffic guy, drove the expressway, well, no, the, the bypass now, um, first day. And he said, yeah, you're really out in the country. And, and we compared it to other uh, beltways around different cities and how it just attracts this growth in a matter of of uh, just a few short years. And uh, so, yeah. Well, think about how I-680 goes around Omaha or that kind of expressway that's now goes from Gretna to Elkhorn. So a lot of growth. I mean, not much used to be on the other side of I-680, and now, heck, it goes all the way out to Elkhorn and past and darn near to Bennington. So, had a story this week. Um, you uncovered uh, a little bit of uh, buyout uh, plans for some reporters uh, associated with Lee Enterprises, which, of course, Omaha World Herald, Lincoln Capital, um, Lincoln Journal Star, hearkening back to my Topeka, Kansas days, <laughs> uh, Capital Journal there, but the Lincoln Journal Star. What uh, What's the latest on this one? Well, I think. Uh, they announced that the World Herald, uh, Lee Enterprises, notified the World Herald that they intended to buy out another 10 of their journalists, which is about a quarter of the people. So they have about 40, 40 people today. You know, three years ago they had 70. And and it's one of those things that, that I think – I think back to, you know, all those reporters and columnists and journalists that we've – read about for years and read their columns for years and, and just a lot of change in the way media is being delivered. And and I found it kind of odd to see that the World Herald, which is the state's largest newspaper, uh, was making the gonna be making these changes and Lee was making those. And it and it also hinted a little bit in the things that I read that they're actually looking to sell. Um or L- Omaha World Herald's looking for somebody to buy 
the World Herald um, from Lee Enterprises. So it'll be very, very intriguing for us to watch this and see what that happens because I and I don't have numbers, but I've heard anecdotally that, you know, both the the Journal Star and, and the World Herald, the the daily circulation has really gone down over the years, I think, with smartphones and the Internet. A lot of people are gathering their news in different ways. And so the print subscription is actually not as heavily circulated as it once was. But then also um, the fact that the World Herald um, actually reduced in, I think there's one day a week they're not producing a print edition, which for a daily newspaper to do that in Omaha, that's something that we don't really see very often. I know when I was in college in Kearney, I think they there was one day a week. They went, I think they printed six days a week. I, I don't, I think it was Sunday they didn't print, but um, Saturday was their big edition. And, you know, North Platte had some of the same types of things. But to see something like that out of the World Herald, I just, I found fascinating just as the, the world of how we gain information has changed over the years. And some of the ways that we're now gaining that information are not quite as reliable, uh, I would have to say as uh, some of the more traditional media. Well, it's it's funny. I remember there was a TV commercial that says you can't put anything on the Internet that isn't true, and the person says, where'd you read that? They said, on the Internet. And so, you know, um, th- that is an important piece, Mark, because I think we're in a, in, a, in a time in our history where I think sometimes we read something and we go, okay, that's got to be true. Um, and at the same time, we usually trusted our news sources to vet these these issues and and be able to do some fact checking and things like that but as we get into the the world of social media and internet and how easy it is to start a website i i think there's some some questions there about how how true some of that information is and and how people are gathering it and we'll just have to see where that takes us because i think that's difficult for a society to rely on things and just not fact check Fact check uh, here, the uh, fact that utility companies have had uh, an outstanding year for uh, a lot of uh, damage due to natural disasters and and things like that. I mean, uh, brush fires, uh, wildfires out west, hurricanes, uh, tornadoes. um, And we've seen this mutual aid amongst uh, utility companies. But it goes to the bigger discussion of it costs money to expand these, but it costs a lot to repair. And and you've done a little digging on this one and uh, pretty astounding numbers. Yeah, there's some pretty pretty big numbers. We're talking billions of dollars um, in fees to recover from the severe weather. You'll remember, what was it, a year and a half, two years ago when we had the rolling blackouts because of some things that were happening down south and the impact it actually had in Lincoln. Yep. You know, we were seeing those rolling blackouts. And so... Um, a lot of electric and gas utilities are turning to low interest ratepayer backed bonds to finance these investments and fix their systems, um, which is having an impact on the energy costs that we, we pay. So we've talked about energy costs on here too. So if, if people are regularly listening, they're hearing some themes here. Um, and, and this was one that was concerning to me as we look at rising utility costs and generation costs 
dividends that we pay here in Lincoln or franchise fees and the taxes and all of that. And now we're looking at these bonds that utility companies are using um, to fix all these things. And, and the ratepayers are the ones that are paying that. So, And we'll be paying them for, for years. Oh, for years. So um, one of the estimates that I saw was about $12.4 billion uh, weather-related weather utility debt that customers will have to pay has been issued in the U.S., up from $7 billion in long-term recovery bonds from 2007 to 2021. So it's almost doubled in, in what's being paid. And so that's affecting ratepayers all across the country. And that that's one of those things that just really becomes concerning as we see all those costs and the inflation that we're experiencing uh, across the Midwest and across the country. Well, the cause and effect, they're also being affected by supply chain issues uh, and workforce issues. It just costs more uh, exponentially more than it did in uh, 2007 to uh, repair a mile of uh, utility lines. Yeah, I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head, the supply chain, the increased cost in, in raw materials. You know, we had uh, Scott Lockard from Hampton on the show recently, and he was talking about just the you know, about 30 percent, 30 to 40 percent increase in construction costs. Um, so all of those things are, are a factor. And so I just thought it was something that we'd, we'd want to share with our with our listeners. And, you know, it's kind of recent news and there's been a lot of things that we've heard of and. You know, earlier this week, there were some pretty devastating hurricanes, or not hurricanes, tornadoes that hit the New New Orleans area. So all of those things, there's no pun intended. There's like this perfect storm of all these things coming together at one time that's going to make it difficult as we fight through inflation and fight through all these additional costs. And the additional cost that goes along with... um trying to maintain service, uh, even in, like, western Nebraska, Colorado, this past week with the blizzards. I mean, you know there's going to be damage someplace uh, along the line. It, there always is, and, and these are the types of things that eventually the buck stops somewhere, and the buck starts with the uh, end user. Yeah, and, you know, at the end of the day, we end up paying. And so um, it's it's going to be something that we're going to have to watch and, and see how that happens and you know, like you said, those blizzards out west were, were a big deal this week. I mean, Shattern had 24 inches of snow last I saw. So um, you never know what those different weather-related things are going to be that are going to impact us. So something to watch. Gallup Organization does a lot of surveying. They're highly regarded. Did one on what the satisfaction rate for various uh, entities like the government or Congress and things like that. In our deep dive segment, we're going to go into that and then also talk a little bit about uh, a fairly uh, important issue right here in the, the Lincoln area, and that's uh, floodplain maps. Yeah, we've we've talked about that a little bit before, and that's going to be coming before the city council next week. And the, the article from Gallup or the survey from Gallup that came out and talked about people's uh, calling government an issue that they're concerned about and then... You know, you think about the things that are going on with our floodplain uh, changes and what that's going to affect on costs and affordable housing. I think two topics that just kind of rose rose into something that I thought we'd need to talk about a little bit more today. We'll do it in just a moment. In the meantime, you need help finding reliable financing options for heavy machinery trucks or other equipment for your business. Currency is here to help. 
Currency specializes in finding the most competitive financing options for construction equipment, farm machinery, trucks, trailers, other big-ticket items as well. And whether you're replacing old machines, expanding your fleet, Currency makes it easy to get financing. It's secure and free to use, and it gives you a single point of contact for the entire process. Visit GoCurrency.com, fill out the application. Currency will automatically find a lender offering the best rates and terms. Currency is equipment financing made simple. Visit GoCurrency.com and apply today. Offers may vary and arranged by Express Tech Financing, LLC. Doing business as currency. Pursuant to CFL License 60DBO-54873. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of $15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Back in Lincoln Business Beat, Gallup recently did a survey uh, and found that the number one dissatisfaction level for Americans, is the government? <laughs> you know, I, I thought maybe I was just one of the one of the few that kind of felt that way, Mark. But um, I think it's intriguing to see. And this was an open ended the way they asked the question. You know, just what are what's the most important topic you're concerned about or problem facing our country? And it's the government. And that, and, and, and it's not any one. A facet of the government, it's government in general. Yeah. From, from uh, you know, your doesn't matter if it's from council. Washington D.C. Yeah. or the Lincoln, the Lincoln City Council or the County Board or, or what have you. And so, I I wasn't able to dig back far enough and see where this topic has laid in past years. I just found it kind of intriguing that this is where we're at as a country and this is what's really impacting people and and what they're thinking about that's at the top of their mind well what was interesting is that 19 percent of americans the number one most important topic is the government and the most important problem facing the country second high cost of living or inflation about 16 percent third the economy in general uh and there are some political realities there uh, Republicans, on average, are more likely than Democrats and independents to name the government as the most pressing issue, and Republicans more than twice as likely as Democrats to name inflation and the economy in general as an issue. So there are some uh, po- political uh, ramifications here as well, but it just seems amazing that we look to the government for solutions and answers, and yet comes back that they're the problem maybe (laughs) as the electorate we need to be looking at ourselves a little more closely well yeah i mean i i think it was ronald reagan that used to say the solution is never in government uh 
Yeah. Um, That's paraphrasing former President Reagan. But, you know, I just I sit here and I read this and I think if I'm a government official and I'm looking at this, I really need to start taking a look in the mirror. And what is it that people don't trust about us? And what are what are the issues that we're creating? And I think especially over the last two to three years with COVID and all the things that have been going on with the pandemic, I think government has tried to solve so many of the problems. And I wonder if that's not maybe the, the root of where some of this comes from, because, you know, as business owners, we just, we want government to get the hell out of the way and let us run our business. And, and I think there were a lot of mandates, there were shutdowns, schools were closed and, and all those different things that really affected us, which maybe woke people up to understand that the government um, is maybe trying to do too much. And, you know, we've we've created this reliance in some ways on government that maybe government got a little too big for its britches, as my grandmother would say. <laughs> so it's just when government's the problem, we really do need to think about how we can impact that. And, you know, my old phrase that I like to use, decisions are made by those who show up. And so if you're frustrated with your, what your government's doing, you need to participate in those elections and help candidates and knock on doors and get out and vote and make sure your friends and family and colleagues are getting out to vote and and let government know that we're frustrated and we, we want to make some changes. I once uh, said to a, a friend, you know, he was asking me what I thought about the uh, the election. I don't even remember which election it was. I said, you know, I'm, I'm half inclined to vote for any politician that will tell me uh, truthfully what they want to get elected to uh, cut out, to stop, you know, get rid of some regulation, get rid of some rules and regulations. I don't care. I, it always scares me when they say they're going to do something for us. Let's uh, unwrap a few things that we don't need. I mean, wasn't it back in the Reagan and... and uh, early Bush administrations where we had, uh, I'm trying to remember the guy's name, that went out and did a big study on things that we could cut out of the government, and it went nowhere. Yeah, and, you know, and that's that's the thing, you know, when we want government to get out of the way, I, I agree with you, Mark. It's important to hear what are you going to, what are you going to get rid of? What are the things that we can do? Where can, where can we maybe make it easier on day-to-day life, really? I mean, some of these things from government really impact us every day, no matter what we do. So, um, and that goes back to, you know, I mentioned earlier that we, I've been, I spent some time out at the Career Academy earlier this year, and I talked about the intersection of government and business, and how government affects our day to day lives. And I think until we sit and think about that, we really, we need to step up and pay more attention. Anybody that's listened to me on the air for the past uh, ten, twelve years. I, I have two words for all of that that just puts it all in the right perspective, and that's the fair tax. Can you imagine if we had uh, all of our taxing was done based on our consumption rather than the Internal Revenue Service and the tax departments of every state in the union? So then those governments wouldn't have as much money to spend, right? <laughs> that's right. In the last five years, uh, government was number one on the list of uh, the biggest problem, except for 2020. That was COVID-19. Yeah, so that gives so- you some idea yeah very interesting so i it's kind of one of our calls and pleas to get involved show up work for a candidate help somebody get elected that you believe in or run for office yourself consider it yes big issue coming before the city council 
uh, here just before the year ends. Uh, it's coming up on Monday, which is the 19th, I believe. They're voting on uh, possibility of moving forward with floodplain map redrawing and, and new rules and regulations there. Um, pretty much universally within the development community, developers, they've got some problems with this, and it looks as though the city council probably isn't going to deviate much from what they've got on the table plate right now. Is that a fair assumption? I think so. There's been some conversation about possible amendments. We'll see where they go and what happens with those. But, the you know, the thing about it that, and, you know, this really ties to that government is the problem uh, topic that we're talking about here is there's a, right now you have to, if you build in a floodplain, it has to be one foot above the floodplain. That's the, that's the state law. That's the FEMA reg- regulation, the federal regulation. And what we're doing here in Lincoln is we're going to raise that from one foot to two feet. And the cost, and, and it's you know, when you talk to developers, they say one of the most expensive parts of a project is dirt. Now, think about bringing up bringing that lot line up from one foot above floodplain to two feet. The amount of dirt that's going to take, the work, and all those things, and which is a bigger cost. And as those costs go up, it's going to affect the cost of development, whether it's commercial, whether it's residential whether it's apartments, single-family homes, townhomes, whatever it might be, yet we hear our government officials constantly talk about affordable housing. And if we're going to continue to put regulations in place, I shouldn't say we, I should say if the government is going to continue to put regulations in place that are going to be a hindrance to affordable housing and development, well, that goes right into the problem why government's the problem, or right into that topic of why the government's the problem. They're actually creating a harder, more expensive way for people to live. And we wonder why government is the problem, right? I mean, so it's going to be an interesting issue to watch on Monday. We'll have to see what the what the amendments look like that get offered and where we end up being once all those amendments are offered and whether or not they're passed or whether they pass or fail. There's been, there's been a nice coalition of folks that have come together. I think it's 25 plus groups or uh, are represented on this coalition. And that coalition is asking tap the brakes and delay this for six months, which in the grand scheme of things in, in government, six months is really not that long of a period of time. But what I found interesting about this group and this coalition that's come together is it's left, it's right, and it's center. It's not just one political thinking group. It's not just one uh, specific industry. It's all across the board, business groups, professional trade associations, um, groups that care about a lot of different things, and they're all asking us to tap the brakes, yet I don't feel like the city's listening. So when we talk about government being the problem, that's the problem. And they're asking the the city to tap the brakes while uh, another uh, comprehensive study is done that they're willing to pay for. Yeah, and so the, the other fascinating thing, having watched the... 
the public testimony with the planning commission and then the city council. So this group is willing to pay for the study and the response from the city government is we've already done the study, but it's not the study we're talking about. The city's done some studies, but they're wanting to do an independent outside study on what the economic impact of this is going to be. And, from a business perspective, and I think just a reasonable thinking person perspective, shouldn't we know what the economic impact's going to be of a project like this? So, again, it's no wonder that when people are asked, what's the most important issue and topic it, that concerns you? And they say the government, because the government is not listening to the people and not listening to uh, reason, frankly. It's become more... Government seems at some times where it's become more about activism than it is about city governance or county governance or, you know, doing the job of the of the group. So we'll see what happens at the council. I'm I'm not I'm not confident that the delay will happen. Maybe there's a miracle that can happen over the weekend. Maybe as a Hail Mary to Jordan Wester camp in the end zone at the end here <laughs> that'll get it get us across the goal line for that delay, but Again, I go back to things like this and issues like this are why it's so important to get involved in our government. Make a phone call, send an email, talk to your elected officials, and get involved in the process because we need to fix these things and we need them to listen to us. Speaking of uh, government, we'll have a new leader in the state in uh, just a matter of a few weeks. And we're coming up now to the monthly Liba Luncheon. It is Tuesday the 20th. Chance to hear from the next governor. Yeah, I'm excited that uh, Governor-elect Pillen has agreed to join us for our Liba Lunch. Um, We're going to have a great turnout, which I think is awesome. Um, It's always good to have a good showing for the governor when he shows up. But I think it's an opportunity to hear from Governor-elect Pillen on you know, kind of what his vision's going to be for this first session. He's going to have to jump in. The first thing's a biennial budget. He's got to make some appointments. We've talked about that. Um, so there's a lot happening. And let's hear where where he stands on things for business. And it'll be an opportunity for people to meet Governor-elect Pillen and hear from him. So I'm, I'm excited and really appreciate that he's willing to come to our LEBA lunch and visit with our members. It's the week of Christmas. So, you know, that's always... Um, one of those busy times, but I'm I'm really excited to see a great turnout. And if people want to find out how they can get registered, they can uh, go to Liba.org or they can call the office at 402-466-3419 and, and get their reservations made to come out and see Governor-elect Pillen. And, of course, uh, it will be streamed on the Liba Facebook page if you can't make it into the lunch and uh, participate uh, in person. Absolutely. It's, uh, you know, you can go to Facebook and look up Liba Lincoln and or Lincoln Independent Business Association and find us. We put those videos out there so that people can see uh, the topics that we're talking about. So it's a good way for us to wrap up the year as we get ready to go into the legislature, which uh, I believe swear-in day is uh, Wednesday, January 4th. So we're just about... Two and a half, three weeks away from from a new legislature, new governor, and all kinds of new constitutional offices as and, well. And shortly thereafter, a new member of the University of Nebraska Board of Regents will be named, and we'll also have a new uh, U.S. senator named. And a state senator represent northwest Lancaster County in that northern top of Lancaster County because Senator Mike Hilgers is now going to be Attorney General Hilgers. So 
a lot of uh, be interesting to uh, to hear uh, Governor Elect Pillen's uh, take on all of this. Yes, sir. It'll be quite the lunch. So we encourage people to get out there, and if they can't, watch it on Facebook. And be sure and uh, share this uh, podcast with your friends and uh, associates. We'd love to have you, you know, like it and share it, and uh, let uh, let's get the word out. So. Spread the word. That's what I say. Yeah, you know, it's uh, like uh, an old farmer friend of mine from Minnesota used to say, money and uh, manure uh, have the same thing in common. Uh, much better when it's spread around. Amen. Spread the word and let people know what's happening in our community and uh, what things are going on and, and help them get involved. This is the Lincoln Business Beat from Lincoln Independent Business Association and KLIN Radio, reviewing and updating business owners and community members about what's happening in the business community in and around Lincoln. Along with LEBA President and CEO Bud Seinhorst, I'm Mark Vail. Lincoln Business Beat is made possible by Currency. Learn more at GoCurrency.com.